welcome to the Spring Podcast. I'm Pastor Laura Blevins, inviting you to enjoy this week's message from the First United Methodist Church of Excelsior Springs. Thank you for coming to the waters for uplifting music, rejuvenation, and inspiration. Thank you for coming to the spring. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, you're listening to the live recording of the spring service, and uh, we're excited to have you with us this morning. We are going to begin by uh, singing some songs, and so we hope that, uh, that you'll enjoy them and are able to sing along and uh, join in as, uh, as we go.
Satisfied her hunger was with billows calmed on raging seas, but her soul remained she prayed. 
Born of a slave, the Lamb Jesus Christ laid death in his grave. Yes, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you laid death in its grave. The death couldn't stop you, death couldn't hold you down. Thank you, we praise you, we praise you for your love, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to have to ask the band to figure out how to sit in front of me here so that I don't feel completely alone as I'm preaching. I know that you all hear me out there in um, the podcast right now, or on the podcast, So today the scripture I'm going to read to you is from um, the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 5 through 26. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. 
Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it, and also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I, that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say that you have no, no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming that has now come when the true worshippers if I can talk, the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship the spirit and the truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, as you have poured out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, where we ask that you bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts to be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Well, so today we're talking about um, finding God's presence. And this is something that we've had on the schedule uh, for a while now. And I think it's really sort of fitting as we're all kind of trying to figure out the world that we're living in right now um, and what we should be doing because of the coronavirus. So um, I'm just sort of renaming it a little bit to finding God's presence in the midst of the coronavirus, if that sounds good to you all. Um, there's this fear that is out there right now, this fear and sort of ridiculousness, I think a little bit, like buying mass quantities of toilet paper, right? Um, and hand soap. Uh, though that might be good to have soap on hand, I don't think you need 50 bottles of it. Um, but like the person in front of me at Price Chopper the other day, who not only had toilet paper and hand soap, and I kid you not, had all these stacks of cookies and liquor. <laughs> not kidding. Um, they were really getting prepared, I think, for what was going to happen. Uh, and we do need to be prepared, and I don't want to make light of any of that. We have to be smart. Um, and we need to recognize that God is with us through all of this. God's presence is with us. And I think it's funny that today we're talking about God's presence as part of our Lent series. And this is something that we need um, in our lives right now. Um, so just for a few minutes, I'm going to ask you and those who are listening to the podcast to sort of set aside the fear and anxiety and the world right now. And if I... Um, if you're listening to me and you have something else in the background, like the news or things like that, turn that off. I just want you to hear my words today, not in the, not have a background of news happening. We need to set <clears throat> aside our fear and our worry and our constant questioning of what's next and learn more about how to be in God's presence. And that's what we're going to do today. So last week, if you listen or if you were here, <clears throat> we talked about Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is in complete contrast to the Samaritan woman today that we're going to learn about. And I just want to share a few of these points, first of all. So Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a leader. He was a religious leader of the time, um, one of the leaders of uh, the Jews. He came to Jesus by night because he didn't want any of his friends to know that he was there. Um, and so this week is this other character, this Samaritan woman, who we don't know her name. So she's not... Um, anywhere um, as important as Nicodemus in their culture of the time, right? Um, but we find that she's even more significant than he is. But the contrast between Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman is striking. Um, and they, they 
come right after each other in the gospel. So you read the story about Nicodemus. He comes at night. He questions Jesus. He's like, what is this? How can this be? And that's how he departs, and that's how he leaves. He doesn't understand, and that's what happens. And then right after that, Jesus goes uh, to Samaria, and then he's at the well, and this Samaritan woman comes up. up. Um, and she's not a religious leader. In fact, she's an outsider. She's an outsider because um, she's had five different husbands. And it's not the, 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 it's important for us to note here that most likely what happened to her was that her husbands had passed away because of, of things. It's not like um, women were allowed to marry and divorce on their own free will back then, right? And so most likely her husbands had died and then she had been married to the next brother. I, I just think it's important for you to know this. Um, but she's an outsider. And so she's not living with her husband. She's living with another man. And she has no new name. And she meets Jesus at noon. And it's at full daylight. So Nicodemus at dark. Samaritan woman, full daylight. And the contrast between their conversations, I think, is even more extraordinary. Nicodemus, everyone knew. And they thought of very highly. And this woman, they didn't think of highly at all. That's why she was there at noon to draw water, because she didn't want anybody else around. The Samaritan woman, um, she moves outside of her religious expectations and engages Jesus in a theological debate. Tell me how to get this living water. Tell me what to do. Whereas Nicodemus, he can't hear at all that Jesus is sent by God and leaves confused. The woman at the well hears the name, the I am, right? And she exemplifies that Jesus is for the outsiders. That's who he's for. You know, Jesus didn't come for the important people of the world like Nicodemus, but for the no-names, the, the downtrodden, those who are ashamed, those who have a past. And then we have to wonder... Could this meeting at the well really be about us and for us? And I want you to think about this. Truly, if you're honest, do you consider yourself an outsider? Do you consider yourself like the Samaritan woman? Are we really the marginalized of society? Those who are easily cast aside. Those whom others might say, why is he talking to her? the extraordinary aspect of this text is two things. Simply that Jesus is for her, the outsider, and she becomes a witness for him. I think this is really important. She was an outsider who had every reason not to share her story, but she goes back after encountering Jesus and she shares it with everyone. And then they all come to him because of that. This is one of my favorite stories in the gospel because this is a woman giving her testimony. She's preaching, right? I mean, all you feminists out there, just, you know, be excited about this because Jesus sent women to tell their story, right? And so, um, you know, this week uh, I had an opportunity to hear a lecture um, here at the hospital in Excelsior Springs about this program in Kansas City called EPIC. Um, it's EPIC and it's by Calm Care, and hopefully I'm going to say all these things right. Um, the EPIC program by Calm Care is one of the first programs of its kind in Missouri. And it made me think of this, of the outsiders, and this group here deals with the outsiders in our society now, I think, more than anybody. So EPIC is an acronym for Engaging Patients in Care Coordination, E-P-I-C-C. Um, and it's based on this successful implementation um, that happened in St. Louis, and it's this medication-first model for people who are addicted to opioids. Um, and so Epic meets these outsiders, these people who are addicted to opioids and helping them. And in this model of medication first, they, they've actually found this medicine that can help to curb the cravings um, and the desire and the need to get high, um, to take, you know, prescription medicines and things like that. And it's not a replacement medicine. It doesn't also get you high. It's, uh, it helps to stabilize you and, and keep you from those cravings. It's 
amazing. ComCare is collaborating with six community mental health centers here in Kansas City. Um, Excelsior Springs is one of them, it's one of the hospitals. And it's connected to the medication-assisted treatment that people here can receive help if they are addicted. There's this woman that works for Epic, and, and she's the one who presented her name as Linda. And one of the um, things that she said just really struck to me as I was preparing for this week's service. Uh, Linda is a recovering addict. And she said she's been like 20 some odd years clean. And that when she meets an addict for the first time in her program, she immediately puts them at ease because she tells them she's an addict, she's recovering. And that immediately puts them at ease. And it reminded me of the Samaritan woman, right? The Samaritan woman who was the outsider who had a past. And she comes to tell her story to people. And she says, you know, I've lived a bad life too. I've had things that have been happening to me that I can't help. And things that were my fault. And Jesus loved me anyway. And as Linda told her story, it sounded so similar to the Samaritan woman who had been changed, who had felt that presence of God in the, in the midst of her life and was different because of it. You know, we may not be the marginalized of this society, but we know the marginalized. They live around us. They're here in our community. The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman was ashamed of her past. The people that Linda deals with in Epic are ashamed that they're addicted. You know, that's one of the feelings that you get. The Samaritan woman at the well is not this passive recipient of Jesus's words, right? She immediately recognizes that he is the Christ who says, I am, and she goes back to her town. So you're going to need to read further in John to kind of finish the story. And even though there's these boundaries of, of society in place, she doesn't care. She goes and she tells everyone her encounter with Jesus. This woman, Linda from Epic, was changed. She got clean. She got sober. And she shares her story with other addicts that they can be healed too. It's just an incredible um, comparison, I feel. Samaritan woman doesn't let society stop her. She goes into the city. She demonstrates what can happen when we actually engage in questions about our faith. The woman at the well shows us that faith is a dialogue, right? You may think you know all of the answers, but you need to actually have the conversation. It's about growth. It's about change. And she's an example for us, this woman at the well. We learn that not only are we changed, but God will reveal himself to us and we can be changed too. When the woman at the well recognizes that she was in the presence of God, she responded. I want you to think about being in the presence of God and what that looks like in your life. You know, God isn't someone who just shows up when we call upon him. God is someone who's always there. It's someone that um, is always in the works doing something good in this world. There's crazy things that are happening, but God is in the midst of that, and he is doing good things. And he is sending us to do these good things. So what can we do as people to be in his presence? Well, I think the number one thing is to recognize that he's there, always. You know, last week you talked about, you know, God's blessing being like a shining light in a dark room, right? God's presence is the same thing, right? That the light of God is always there, and it's whether or not you recognize it or not. And stepping into the presence of God isn't that suddenly the light turns on. It's because it's always been on, but you now recognize it. You recognize that God is in your midst, that he's doing things, that he is working. 
you know, we're living in this crazy time. I, I have never um, experienced a pandemic before of the coronavirus or any virus or anything like that. I mean, the most that I ever worried about was when I traveled to Africa and getting malaria, but I actually had the medicine in my hand that I was taking to keep myself from having, not to keep myself from getting malaria, but to keep myself from dying of malaria. That's the only experience that I have with anything like this. And it's a scary world right now, but that doesn't mean that God has turned off that light and isn't around. He is, and he's in the midst of everything that we do, and we have to decide how we are going to respond. You know, one of my favorite, favorite verses in the Bible, and this is why we named our oldest Joshua. It comes from Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know, over these next few weeks, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what's going to happen here in the state of Missouri. I don't know what's going to happen as far as church services and things like that. We're going to have to figure out a new way of doing it. But God is in our midst, and he is doing the good things. And you need to continue to take care of yourself. So if you're sitting at home right now and you're listening to this podcast, and maybe you're downtrodden, and maybe you feel um, like quarantine or whatever that that feeling is where you're just isolated from everyone around you you need to do some things to support yourself first of all i'm not saying get crazy go out and you know lick the sidewalks right that'd be weird my kids might do that but i'm not saying that's a good thing for you you need to get up every day you need to get dressed take a shower and while staying in your pajamas may sound really, really good, I actually changed out of my pajama pants this morning, and I'm in my athletic pants because it's good to change your clothes. Have a schedule when you wake up. Eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, play games. One of the good things about social media, I've been talking about all the bad things, but one of the good things about social media is it helps you stay connected to your loved ones. So FaceTime someone that you love. Call them on the phone. Here's the big thing I'm going to ask you to do. Take breaks from watching and reading and listening to the news. Promise me. Take breaks from it. Take breaks from social media, too, because the craziness is out there and the fear will lead us and we need to forget, we can't forget, that God is in control. Take care of your body. Take deep breaths. Especially if you're like me. When I have anxiety, my blood pressure goes up and I feel my whole body pulsing. And I talk faster. And higher, you all know, you've seen that in me before. So take care of your body, take deep breaths, stretch, meditate. Try to get plenty of sleep. And unlike my friend in the, it's actually a person I don't even know who it was, at the Price Chopper, um, avoid alcohol and drugs. It's not a good time to have a cart full of liquor. Do some activities that you enjoy. Play board games with your loved ones. We're going to have to figure out how to do these things these next few weeks. And we are forced to slow down. And slowing down is a good thing. Slowing down gives us time. It gives us time to, to do the things that, that, um, that we can do like spending time with our family, sitting at the kitchen table and having a meal, spending time doing something we enjoy, reading a book or watching a movie. You know, a few weeks ago, I uh, baptized a man here at the church, and um, wonderful, wonderful man who has terminal cancer. And they gave him three months to maybe five years to live. 
just awful. He was sitting in my office and I was crying and he was crying, his wife was crying, we're all crying. And I say to him these words that I'm not really even sure that were my words, but I said to him, you have been given a gift, a blessing that you can say everything to everyone that you want. You can say everything you want to everyone you love. And you have that opportunity. So during this craziness, I think these words are for us too. You have a gift of time. So use it. Tell the people in your life that you love them. Not because I'm sitting here worried that they're going to die, but because we are going to all of us. All of us. We don't know how much time we have. That's just the truth. It has nothing to do with the pandemic. It has everything to do with the mortality rate is 100%. But we have a way and we have time to share. We are in God's presence. Whether you recognize it or not, and I hope today you can take some time for yourself and to realize that that shining light of God is shining on you. And though it may seem scary in the world right now, and it's not okay all the things that are happening, it's going to be okay because we have a belief, we have a trust, we have a love and a Savior who will never, ever, ever leave us. We have that hope. And here's the, here's the other thing, you know, we have the blessing right now um, in Missouri, in Kansas City, in Excelsior Springs, where we are, where we're not quarantined and forced into it. And, and who knows, that may be coming soon, and, I, and I'm not sure, but there are lots of people in this community that aren't going to be able to work. And there are lots of people in this community who live paycheck to paycheck. And I think it's really a good thing that we're doing this fifth Sunday food drive right now at our church. We're um, collecting, and if you if we get 6,500 pounds, then they're gonna, I guess, like the Super Bowl, dump a Gatorade jug full of water, I hope, on me. Um, though Brian Rice and John Simmons want to put ice in there, um, my secretary said that's a horrible idea. I'm not sure where that's gonna land, besides on me. And we started that out, and it was just kind of a funny, let's see what we can do to Pastor Laura, but I was thinking about that last night and realized that there are really going to be a lot of people in this community who can be blessed from our food drive. So don't forget to help with that. And instead of bringing your food, um, one of the other things that, that happened that I've sort of been joking about, but... You can actually, your money goes further than your, than your products that you bring in. So if whatever dollar that you donate is six pounds of food for somebody. And so that's what we're going to ask you to do. And you can give online at ES Methodist. And then I had this brainwave, and it's totally mine. Nobody else had this idea. It was completely my idea. Okay, I'm lying. It's not my idea. Um, <laughs> that we have a drop box here for the preschool. And so if you don't want to give online, if you want to get out of the house, you can drive up to door number two and drop your tithe off there as well. Because we want to continue to bless this community. So um, make good choices. Recognize that you are in God's presence right now. He wants you, specifically you, to know that he is your God. And make sure you wash your hands. Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, we thank you so much for all that you have given us this day. Lord, we're in this midst of this crazy time. Give us peace. Give us understanding. Help us to know that you are with us. You've always been with us. Your presence is here right now. In your awesome name, we pray.
happening in our world right now. Um, I want to share with you that after uh, a conversation with uh, Dr. Brad Hoffman, that we decided to um, cancel church services today. Um, you know, we kind of went round and round about what we should do, and, and he said, Laura, when we look back on it, wouldn't we have rather been more precautious than, uh, than not? And so we want to keep you all safe. That's important. And we are a big enough congregation now um, that is a real concern about holding worship. I mean, what a, what a terrible problem to have that we're so big that we have to worry about all of us meeting uh, together. So we're going to have to figure out a new way of being these next few weeks. But we will make this work. But we need your help. Help us to continue to help this community um, and do the things that our church does by continuing, continuing to offer your tithes and offerings uh, to the Lord. And we also would invite you to give to the Fifth Sunday Food Drive. Every dollar you give is six pounds of food. You can give online at esmethodist.com. It powers your PayPal. Or if you need a break from your house and you're tired of looking at your loved ones, get in the car, drive to the church. Door number two has a drop box. You can place your tithe there. Um, but give, give as God has first given to you. See you. 
Especially thank you to the Artist Community Project who sent us the band today and has extra people with us. What a blessing it is. And also Jason in the back who we never talk about who is our audio guy. We love you, man. Thank you for all that you do. Um, go forth from this day and just feel the presence of God in your life. Know that you are loved. Go in peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast of The Spring. Tune in every Sunday evening for the next rejuvenating podcast of music and messages from the First United Methodist Church of Excelsior Springs. God bless you and have a great week.